the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. Let me give the phone number right off the top. 602-508-0960. Bill, good to see you. I... um. I want to turn over my monologue. I'll read it, uh, but I want to turn it over to um, to a guest, someone who has uh, on occasion been a guest of this show and on several occasions been a guest host of this show. He is a uh, very dear friend and, uh, as I have uh, never tired of saying and still believe, uh, perhaps uh, one of the greatest public servants in this state, in this country, I have ever had the privilege of knowing. I am Speaking of Arizona Supreme Court Justice Bill Montgomery, who delivered the following uh, speech recently, uh, it was uh, it was given under the auspices of the Military Order of the World Wars. It's a it was a amassing of the colors, and it was uh, delivered to the JROTC Junior ROTC students at uh, Marcos Deniza here in. Uh, here in Arizona, he says, in my current job, yesterday I focused on fathers, which is why I want to do this focus today on soldiers. In my current job where I write opinions, when I state a rule of law or make a claim about why a fact leads to a certain conclusion, I quote the particular authority that supports what I write. That process gives the reader confidence that what I say is true and the ability to check my logic. In my remarks this morning, I can't help but engage in the same process, so I'll quote others freely for a point to be made or where there's an idea to be shared, but with proper credit. I'd like to come back to that point, but without interruption. No country in the history of the world has spent more treasure, shed more blood, or toiled harder for the cause of freedom at home and abroad than the United States of America without any goal of creating an empire. The basis for that truth is the men and women who have worn the uniform of America for over two centuries. They have prevailed time and again from the battlefields of Lexington and Concord to Gettysburg and Appomattox to Normandy, Bastogne, Berlin, to the Chosen Reservoir in Korea, to the Adrang Valley and the highlands of Vietnam, to the deserts of Southwest Asia and the mountains of Afghanistan and in countless other places on the seas in the air, and other foreign lands. America's sons and daughters have never failed us. I'm honored to be here at this ceremony to rededicate our commitment to our nation and our colors and in recognition of those who have served and are serving us so honorably. And what of those who have served and fought so honorably and nobly? They have not fought out of hate. Instead, As noted by the British writer and philosopher G.K. Chesterton, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. 
The loud voices of discord in our society today would tell us that there is not much to love about this great country. But I assure you, all Americans entering the armed forces of our country take an oath that identifies the object of our shared civic devotion. Beginning with each service member stating their name, the reciting of the oath goes on to state that each service member solemnly swears that they will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that they will bear truth, faith, and allegiance to the same. What is the Constitution that must be supported and defended and can command true faith and allegiance? It is the longest continually observed written Constitution in the history of mankind. It is the very embodiment of the traditions, principles, and ideas set forth in our Declaration of Independence. And what was so special about the Declaration? Listen as if this were the first time you heard these words. In Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Those words are stirring and jarring. They upended the political order of the day, and they are true. Abraham Lincoln observed that the, quote, expression of that principle that all men are created equal in our Declaration of Independence was most happy and fortunate. Without this, as well as with it, we could have declared our independence of Great Britain, but without it, we could not have secured our free government and consequent prosperity. No oppressed people will fight and endure as our fathers did without the promise of something better than a mere change of masters. The assertion of that principle at that time was the word fitly spoken, which has proven an apple of gold to us. The Union and the Constitution are the picture of silver subsequently framed around it. The picture was made not to conceal or destroy the apples, but to adorn and preserve them. That principle, then, that all men, male and female, are created equal, has driven us forward as a people and served as a beacon of freedom for those oppressed around the world. I would not be worthy of the words I have spoken if I did not acknowledge America's original sin and not ending slavery at the time of the founding. But without stating the principle of equality and setting forth unalienable rights equally applicable to all people at all time, we would not have a standard to measure ourselves against and to motivate us to strive hand in hand from one generation to the next to live up to who we claim to be as a people. Martin Luther King, at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, set forth these same themes in his I Have a Dream speech. He said, quote, in a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. 
when the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. The note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note, King said, insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people, parlance of the time, a bad check, a check that has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us, upon demand, the riches of freedom and security of justice, close quote. Famously, Dr. King also stated, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. These words are more true today than they were in 1787 or 1887 or even in 1987. And while we are striving to ensure that we recognize the shared value and dignity that every single human life is endowed with, regardless of race or ethnicity, we have come far. And that is worth recognizing and fighting for. I emphasize this point because I refuse to believe that the over one million Americans who have died fighting our nation's war died in va- wars died in vain, or that the over one million who have been wounded served in vain. There may be those who think there is nothing worth fighting for. To that point, I'm reminded of what John Stuart Mill wrote. Quote, the person who has nothing for which he is willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety, is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. Close quote. By the way, that was about the Civil War, actually the Emancipation Proclamation. Bill closes. To those of us who have served, who found America worth fighting for, we trust we have handed off to those who now serve something worth continuing to fight for, to preserve, to hand on. To you who aspire to wear the uniform of our great nation, you are the men and women who will keep us free and true, who we declare ourselves to be. On your shoulders will rest the hopes and dreams of generations yet to be, to ensure they will have the chance to serve in the cause of freedom on behalf of the greatest nation on earth. May God continue to bless America. So, thank you, Bill Montgomery. Let me just say, as we spoke of fathers yesterday, today we honor soldiers. It is a time many of them can't be with their families when we are meant to be with our families. They are doing something perhaps nobler than being with their families. They're fighting for this country, which keeps all our families both safe and free. God bless them all. <laughs> yes, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602508-0960. I'm Seth. Anthony always blanches at that song because he thinks it's a little too rough 
for the audience, just as Anthony Fauci thought we couldn't handle the real or true number that it would take to reach herd immunity, so he thought he would conceal it from us by giving us other fake, false numbers he didn't actually believe, though he peddled them as believing them for about a year. Marcos Deniza High School. It's a public school in Tempe. Don't tell anyone over in Tempe that they have a school named after a Catholic prelate. Just, you know, it could it could lead to a name change. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Hello, Seth. How are you? I am doing excellent. I'll check in real quick. Thank you very much for your monologue. Oh, thank you. It was not my work. It was uh, Bill Montgomery's, but I was pleased to give it another life. Very good. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, thank you. Merry Christmas, Mike. Yeah, let me uh, let me let me make a point about that uh, real uh, uh, real quickly. Um, There's a lot that happens, obviously, in this country. I hate to even say that. There's a lot that happens in this state. There's a lot that happens in this congressional district. There's a lot that happens in our towns and. When something good does happen uh, or something great is said or mentioned, it's important that we know it gets a life uh, beyond that immediate moment. A good speech like Bill Montgomery's is one of them, which is why I wanted to uh, air it with you today. I said I wanted to circle back to a point he made up front as well. Giving readers, listeners, your audience the confidence that what you say is true and the ability to check it out. So he said he quoted others freely for a point to be made or where there's an idea to be shared, of course, with the proper credit. And that's, I think, a piece of advice I would like to uh, repeat for you all as we engage in, you know, the obvious political debates that are going to happen Amongst friends, amongst families, uh, perhaps even amongst coworkers on social media and that sort of thing, if you can cite to an authority, a respected authority, uh, for anything you say, it does make it much more powerful. But, if I might, but if someone is making a point that is outrageous that you're debating with or discussing things with, and that will happen to you if it if you're like me <laughs> off air anyway it'll happen to you a lot ask them for a citation ask them where they're getting their information here's something kind of just a little bit interesting to me and it has to do with who's in control of the narrative and the prescription for our public health and what is listened to and what is repeated. You know, you can say something over and over again and not be right. How many of us have learned (laughs) that we were quoting something wrong or using a word wrongly uh, late in life? You 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 can replicate something that is simply wrong and it can settle in. And it's a terrible thing because people base not only their personal behavior on it, but occasionally public policy as well. We're dealing right now, I'm speaking right now, um, and I can speak for hours on this, but we're speaking right now, of course, about uh, the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. You will probably know people, maybe they're even in your family, maybe they're even coming to spend Christmas with you or you with them. 
who will take as gospel anything that is said on NPR, let's say, just as much as if it were said on CNN. But NPR even comes with a heavier dose of seriousness for some reason. I think I think perhaps because it's the radio format, but also because NPR hasn't um, embarrassed itself as much as CNN. Let's put it that way, if not a little higher. But people will listen to things on NPR and assume that that is as accurate and true as if it were coming from I don't know, The Lancet, the Journal of the American, American Medical Association, uh, or for that matter, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine or the CDC. And this is where, you know, it's really good to be familiar with what you're talking about. It's really good to be familiar with what you're talking about. So just today, NPR did a story, and it's a big one. And they tweeted it out. They were so proud of it. And it's got a lot of people clicking and reading and following it and retweeting it. The title of which is, with Omicron, you need a mask that means business. Here's the tweet. That's the title of the story. Here's the tweet under NPR. If you're still using a cloth mask, it's time to up your game. Experts say to block Omicron... You should upgrade to an N95 or similar high filtration mask. Here's how to find a good one and when to wear it. Okay, there's two things about this little squib that NPR has put out and the story they've put out. It's time to up your game. Okay, that's interesting. To block Omicron, you should upgrade to an N95. That's interesting. What they're telling you is, if you want to be compliant with the experts at NPR, these disposable masks you've been wearing, or the cloth masks you've been wearing, all of a sudden, as of December 23rd, useless. At least useless if you want to deal with 73% of the coronavirus cases, which they tell us is the Omicron variant. I have my questions about those numbers. But those are the numbers the government is telling you. So if you're going to scold or shame people about their masks, understand if you're wearing a cloth one or a disposable one, you have no moral credibility, according to the experts, or scientific credibility, according to the experts at NPR. That's point one. Point two, maybe even stronger. NPR's advice is not the CDC's advice. Who are you going to follow? You have your masters. You have your following of the science. NPR, CDC. Man, you'd think that's as credible as it gets. CDC doesn't agree with NPR. On their website, on how to wear masks, how to use masks, on the CDC's website, titled Your Guide to Masks, the first thing that comes up when you put in CDC and masks, they tell you, not just in words, in all caps and with a picture. N95 respirators should be prioritized for healthcare personnel. Do not choose an N95. It has a person with an N95 and an X through it. NPR and the CDC need to probably go outside and come back in and get their stories straight. Does the disposable mask work or not? 
Well, when they get their story straight, you can tell me what my story should be. How's that? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. A uh, tremendous author uh, named Joan Didion passed away today. If you don't know her uh, work, uh, over at National Review, she actually she wrote for uh, National Review in the 60s. They did a, if you go to their website, uh, they did a tribute to her with several articles of hers from the 1960s. And uh, they're worth rereading. If nothing else, it's fun, kind of fun to see. What uh, what national they put them up in you know portal document format PDF. Um, see, I I did it myself. That's a pet peeve of mine. Use the acronym or use the thing. Don't do both. <laughs> um, they put them up in PDF so you can see the originals. Uh, you know the sixties nineteen sixties National Review. My friend Dexter uh, Duggan here uh, probably has those <laughs> in the original. I remember asking him asking on air once if anyone in the audience had a copy of the National Review that was seen on Magnum P.I., where Tom Selleck, uh, Magnum, is actually reading. It was in the last last season of, of, of Magnum P.I., where Magnum P.I. was actually sitting at home reading an issue of National Review, and I was doing everything I could to find it, because on the cover was, of course, one of my old uh, employers, bosses, and teachers, Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp was on the cover. So it would have been about 1987, 88, and the title of that cover piece with Jack Kemp on it was Can Kemp Do It? Meaning, um, can he run for president? Can he win the nomination? He he did run for president in 88. He did not win the nomination. Uh, but interestingly enough, if you go on YouTube or C-SPAN, whichever you prefer for these things, you will find debates of him just with George H.W. Bush. Kind of interesting. George H.W. Bush was the vice president, and that was kind of a packed field in 1988, now that I'm remembering it. Tevi was on yesterday talking about Bob Dole. Bob Dole was in that race in 1988. Pete DuPont was in that race in 1988. Pat Robertson, do you remember that? Pat Robertson ran for president in 1988. Jack Kemp and, of course, George H.W. Bush. And Kemp loved to debate. He loved to be in front of any audience to exchange and trade ideas with. And uh, George H.W. Bush, to his credit, not a good debater, knowing he's not a good debater. He debated Kemp uh, a few times, just one-on-one. If you watch those debates, it's obviously clear that, uh, can I say it? Yes, I can say it, that we nominated the wrong guy. That having been said, uh, one more uh, thing uh, before I... um, one more thing before I uh, I leave uh, for uh, – not leave for the show or anything, but leave to do something else with you I wanted to do. I, I just have to point this out. You know, Harold Rosenberg, the great art critic, once talked about the intellectual class as a herd of independent minds. Do you ever find that with those who tout – diversity, inclusion, and equity the most? Do you find them to be a herd of independent minds? Do you find them actually believing in diversity and inclusion? Do they actually believe in a diversity of viewpoints? Do they actually believe in a diversity of immutable characteristics that mean or should mean nothing? Do they really? Or do they just mean um, diversity as an empty and exquisitely empty word that they can use to hammer down any opposition or exclude anyone they want. Well, anyway, herd of independent minds uh, in our journalist class. 
I want to just play you this montage that was put together uh, from uh, yesterday, and I will do my best to um, to tell you uh, what network you're hearing this from. The first thing you hear is from CNN. I think we're really just about to experience a viral blizzard. You heard infectious disease expert Michael Osterholm say that we're about to experience a a viral blizzard. One expert now warns a viral blizzard. As the country braces for a viral blizzard, there will be a viral blizzard of COVID cases. The country is facing a viral blizzard. A COVID viral blizzard. A viral blizzard is about to hit the U.S. One infectious disease expert saying a, quote, viral blizzard is about to hit this country. Think we're really just That's about- how it happens, folks. One guy says something and the networks seize on it. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me they are doing independent research. You cannot tell me they are sending out producers and journalists to hunt down stories. What you can tell me, because it's true, is that they're all reading off the same sheet of music. It's not news. It's not journalism. And it's also not true. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5080-960. Uh, Bill Bennett uh, has his own uh, podcast. Um, the com is how you can access it or any of the podcast sites, if you would like. And um, he honored me by uh, interviewing me. Uh, it will air next week. But his producer, Claude, who I've known for years, I think I hired him, actually. Uh, his producer, Claude, said, you know, your audience might like to hear it. Um, it's it's really kind of very timely. And you have more than um, our permission if you want to play excerpts of it. Uh, before we publish it on Monday. They were going to put it up uh, this Monday, which they are going to. And I, I I asked a couple people if I should play this uh, for you, give you a little early taste, and maybe it would be fun to hear not me interviewing Bill, but Bill interviewing me. So we thought uh, we'd give you just a little bit of that, and we might uh, do some more of it throughout the show. But uh, my Bill, my producer Bill, if you'll take it away, we'll we'll just start at the top, see if you like some of this. Biggest stories of the year. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Number one is January 6th. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, quote, insurrection, close quote. And the Post uh, writer says this should actually be the way every history of America should open in reference yeah. to January 6th, yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, are they absolutely crazy? What are they going to do this January Washington 6th? Post says every history of America should open with well, January 6th. I don't know, but... Well, you could you could start, I guess, in our new dis- dispensation. You can start history whenever you want to. You don't have to start America in 1776, as everyone, including Abraham Lincoln, all the way until three years ago started it. You can just pick some arbitrary year. Why not start history with January 6th, 2021, if you want to? I'd start it in March of 2020, and the headline would be. Riots kicked off and set off throughout the country, leading to 14,000 arrests and over 30 murders, including mass resignations of police force captains and chiefs across the country. And when asked about one in her hometown, one riot in her hometown, Nancy Pelosi, the then Speaker of the House, said people will do what people will do. How about starting history that way? I mean, it's just all arbitrary now, isn't it? Yeah. 
Or we could start I, history with the takeover of the Wisconsin state legislature for weeks. Was that yeah. a cessation of democracy? Or maybe we could start history with the Democratic legislatures, legislators violating their oath of office and every Texan's uh, right to uh, vote and have an elected representation in the state house by fleeing the state so they would be out of the jurisdiction for a quorum on a majority vote that they would lose. I mean, you know, the idea that January 6th, which led to a, which was constituted of less than a thousand people that every Republican or conservative that anyone had ever heard of denounced is representational of anything is itself insane. Very good. Very good. But my question is, they're going to make a ton out of it to try on January 6th. Oh, yeah, they will try. Um, They have been trying. And this is part and parcel of the effort to tie all conservatives to uh, riotous behavior and uh, a shutting down of democracy. They have been trying in vain since January 6th to do this. I don't quite understand why people are buying it. I have no idea why people are buying it. Um, As I said, if you know or if anyone in earshot can tell me of one conservative or Republican that they had ever heard of, was involved in that thing, let me know. If they can find one conservative or Republican they had ever heard of that didn't denounce that thing, let me know. Right. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Fair enough. Let's take the year in review, Seth. Um, what What do you, I forget January 6th, what do you recall from the year? What, what, what happened this year that, well, let's say this, let, what happened this year that was really significant that isn't hitting the headlines? You and I have talked about children uh okay i got one i got something that isn't hitting the headlines you know this by the way it's a great question because this is a year of about 20 things that should have been the story of the year that we just landed on and then jumped to a new lily pad with no consequence and i can give you example after example starting with the evacuation of afghanistan but i'll tell you the one that has me most animated right now The one that has me most animated right now is the fact that for a year, a year, our government officials have said you have to get or it is recommended that you get one of three vaccines, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer. If anyone raised objections, particularly about iatrogenic or adverse effects online about these vaccines, they were censored. The government kept saying you have to do, even went into the form of a mandate to individual businesses that that would require you to take one of these three vaccines. One week ago, one week ago, after a year of this, the government says, whoops, no longer Johnson & Johnson, make it just Moderna or Pfizer. Why? Because Johnson & Johnson had led to several uh, several uh, lung diseases led to several lung diseases, the kind of thing we weren't allowed to talk about for the last year that killed 10 people. Now, someone may say, well, 10 deaths isn't that many. They're right. Why is Omicron in the news then? There have been an 800 percent increase of deaths due to Johnson and Johnson, which the government told us to take over anyone having died from Omicron, an 800 percent death increase. Why? Is that not the main story? And why would anyone listen to what this government is telling them about COVID anymore? Did you get uh, vaccinated? Did I get vaccinated? Yeah. 
I've never answered that question in public. I will simply say that uh, nothing I say about the vaccines is inconsistent with my behavior. Okay. Um, a friend writes, a uh, good friend of ours lives in South Carolina, writes, here's my list of headlines for 2021. Joe Biden oversees worst foreign policy disaster in, mo- in modern American history. Comment, Seth? Worst foreign policy disaster in modern American history. You know, I was um, I was rereading a lot about the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I think last time I was with you, we were talking about rereading old books. How strong the Vietnam syndrome was after 1975. And it was erased under George H.W. Bush in the first Gulf War. It really took that long. And you will recall headlines, the Vietnam syndrome is over. No one learns about the Vietnam syndrome anymore. No one knows what that phrase is anymore if they're under 50. The reason for that phrase were the images that came out of Saigon in 1975 when we fled Saigon. The only reason it was relevant was because of those images. Well, we had those images um, coming out of Afghanistan this very year, this very year, the same images. And unfortunately, if you were under 50, you didn't recognize them. If you were over 50, you did. And uh, what we saw there was not only a, uh, a replication of what gave us the Vietnam syndrome, but a stronger signal than ever to, um, to our allies and to our enemies alike that America cannot be counted on. You cannot count on America. And it's just like the letter Sirik Matak had to send to the uh, charged affairs in Cambodia when he was offered safe evacuation when the U.S. abandoned Cambodia. It's one of the saddest things you'll ever read if you want to go back and look at that letter, Sirik Matak. One of the saddest things he says the only mistake he ever made was trusting America. Well, they're saying that all over the world right now. It was awful. And we learn another story that should have been the story of the year, that our State Department and our Defense Department and our embassies had no clue how many Americans were left behind in Afghanistan. It turns out last week they were wrong by a factor of 900 percent. Let me let me hold it right there and we'll come back with just a little bit more of Bill Bennett interviewing me on his podcast. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm playing you a bit of an interview, a preview of an interview I did with Bill Bennett. Bill Bennett interviewing me, actually. Go ahead and pick up. We were just talking about war and uh, worst disaster in histories, and uh, we'll pick it up. I was just talking about Saigon and Afghanistan. Okay. Candidate three. Well, I guess you kind of covered this, but coronavirus mass hysteria continues to me the biggest glaring inconsistency is kind of the obvious one it didn't take any originality like it did with your comment uh, up front but all of the mask mandates and you know people coming into the country and airplanes and out restaurants but thousands hundreds of thousands of people pouring in over the southern border. No no mask mandate there for anybody. Right? Wrong? The inconsistencies 
are tremendous. Anyone who wants to lecture... There's contradictions, really. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Well, because they don't match any science. And you can talk about what's taking place at the border. You can talk about what we're asking people to do on airplanes and in restaurants. You can tell them to mask while they are on their way to sitting down. But the moment they sit down and start actually expectorating the kind of thing that actually transmits this virus, they can take their masks off. And that's how we're supposed to get along in this world. It makes no sense. And nobody, nobody who is a mask uh, enforcer, I guarantee you, is using their mask the proper way. You can go to the CDC website and find out how to use the mask. I guarantee you I've never met anyone who uses the mask the way the CDC is guiding them to do so. And the person who does it the worst, the person who violates mask protocols the worst, is actually the president of the United States who now calls it your patriotic duty to wear one. You watch the way he handles his mask when he talks about his mask, the way he takes it on and puts it off, the way he coughs into his hand. There is no better example of what not to do than the commander in chief when it comes to masks and science. But you know, there's another thing I'm worrying about. Let me interrupt. Yeah, we'll interrupt. pick up on more of this. I have a guest coming right up. You're not going to want to miss her. This, um, this is a woman who, um, a young woman, a first-year college student, who uh, enrolled at one of the nation's premier universities and engaged in the high crime and misdemeanor and misdemeanor of being a Republican. I hope this university is ashamed of itself. I fear on the left that they don't have shame anymore. That may be the worst form of it. Faith Graham coming right up. You can follow her on Instagram, uh, Faith Graham. She spells her Instagram account F-A-I-T-H-H dot Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M-M. Faith Graham coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 